Hi, everyone. This is Too Young to Be Old podcast with me, your host, Diane Gilman. Each week, my guests and I will share insights, advice, and more than a few laughs to empower and inspire women over the age of 50 who really need to embrace the aging process. We want to encourage you to pursue your passions and dreams no matter what decade you're living. Too Young to Be Old podcast is intended to educate, empower, and foster connection with our community. Please note that this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or care. So with that said, let's settle in, get comfortable, and let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Diane Gilman for Too Young to Be Old. It's all in your head. And today, I'm going to ask you this question. Are you in a middle age? funk? Because if you are, I've got the solution. Jennifer Arthurton, who heads Old Chicks No Shit podcast, is here to tell us how to not only get out, but super propel ourselves into a state of happiness, productiveness, and inspiration. Jennifer I just loved doing your podcast a couple of weeks ago. I am so happy to have you here today. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here with you. So tell us just a brief a bit of your story and how you got to the point where you invented Old Chicks No Shit. Yeah. Podcast. Yeah. So um, in the year leading up to my 50th birthday, I found myself divorced, unemployed from a 30 year corporate career, uh, an empty nester, and I was bedridden with a stress related illness. And <gasps> the scary part about all of that was for me, the scariest part was, you know, if I didn't have all of these roles and titles and identities, I had no idea who I was. Right. So I, you know, I, there I was too sick to get out of bed, staring at the ceiling and believing that at age 50, my life was completely over. If I wasn't a wife, a mother and a corporate executive. And at the time I was like a huge gym goer and I literally couldn't get out of bed. Um, you know, who was I? And then the next question was, what, 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 did, what do I want for my life? And there was nothing. There was crickets, complete silence. And after throwing myself a big old pity party for a lot longer than I would like to admit, <laughs> I finally realized one day that I'm only 50 and I have like a 30 year chapter ahead of me. Right. And where our culture, where media tells us that at 50 is like the beginning of the end, I was like, am I supposed to really just like coast to the finish line for like 30 years or even longer, maybe? <laughs> Right. Like that seemed really ridiculous. But every time, you know, I would ask myself, like, what's possible? Like, what's possible for my next chapter? You know, something in the media would come back to me that would be, you know, like bladder leakage protection, meal replacement shakes, (laughs) right? Or, or, you know, the riding off into the retirement sunset on the arm of a handsome man with a pot of gold under my arm. And I was like, okay, well, none of that is my reality, right? Like there has to be something more. And then that set me on the, st- on the path to be, you know, 
where are all these amazing 50, 60, 70 year old women who have recreated themselves, who have built new chapters? Um, and as I started to find these incredible stories, I was like, why do we not hear more about this? Why is the depiction of a 50 year old woman, you know, sitting in a rocker waiting for her grandchildren to arrive when there's so much else that's possible for us? And so I started the podcast and the old chicks, no shit community to be able to share that inspiration, because I knew that if I needed it, that there were other women who are in the same boat as me who also needed to know what was possible for the next chapter. Okay, so I'm going to share my uh, middle age, midlife breakdown and reconstruction. And basically, I met a man, I lived with him for 20 years, 10 of those years, he had cancer. It went away like miraculous remission, and then it came back with a vengeance. So I was a sole caregiver. Mm. Um, it turned into uh, colon cancer, and so I didn't eat because he didn't eat. I went down to, I was 52 years old when he passed. I went down to about 100 pounds, and then after he passed, I was so lonely. I was so sad. I was so guilt stricken that I had survived, but he had not. That I made pasta and red wine my best friends. And that's who I shared my evenings with a pound of pasta, a bottle of red wine. Within a year, I had jettisoned myself up to 198 and three quarter pounds. And I remember going to the doctor and I remember him walking into the examination room and his head snapped back. He hadn't seen me in about a year and a half. I'm not good at doctor appointments. And he said, uh, I think we should get on the scale. And I said, I think we shouldn't. And he said, no, I'm the doctor. I think we should. And I said, well, then I'm not looking. We got on the scale. I took off every heavy piece of clothing I had and he pried my eyelid open and he said, do you see what that says? You are one quarter of a pound away from the national description of obesity. He said, and you're now bordering mm. 53 years old. Do you want to go into, you want to go into middle age and old age carrying that weight? He said, good luck. He said, you're looking at diabetes, you're looking at high blood pressure, you're looking at heart disease. I started crying. I got dressed. I walked out. I went across the street. I was on Central Park South into the park. I sat on a park bench by a little pond. Everybody thought I must be an insane person. I'm sitting there with tears rolling down my eyes. I took out a wrinkled napkin. And said, okay, Diane, this is not a dress rehearsal anymore. I want you, me, to write down everything about your life you love, everything about your life you don't like, and what you're going to do about it. And that's how I started my journey back from letting middle age like a tsunami just roll over me and overwhelm me. So 
that was for me very literal. I kept that napkin for many years afterwards and, and just thought about how elemental the changes were like, okay, ding dong, stop eating 5,000 carbohydrates a night and, and start being mindful. And I realized, I looked in the mirror and I realized, hello, Dorothy. Hello, Diane. This is not youth anymore. This is middle age and it's different. And I think that's something that is, we all live in that state of denial. Like somehow yeah. you're just going to trick time and go on being young forever. So tell me something. How did you get out of bed? How did you reform yourself? And how did you feel about it along the way? Yeah, I mean, for me, one of the like one of the big things for me was I had no idea who I was, right? And so what I realized was is that I had followed all the things that I should do, everything that was kind of on the checklist that was handed to me as a girl. So go to school, get a good job, work your way up the ranks, somewhere in there, get married, you know, have a kid, um, you know, do all the right things. And I did that. I followed the playbook and I checked all of the boxes along the way. And what I realized was I never actually stopped to ask myself if it was what I wanted, if I was doing what was making me happy. Oh, wow. Right? Because I was just following the script. That's yeah. what that's what I did. That's what everybody did, right? And especially as women, like we are told how to be, how to show up in the world, and we're given the playbook very, very early. And we just follow along. And in yeah, the we're process, so programmed. Yeah, exactly. In the process, I had become completely disconnected from who I was. In fact, I'm not sure I even wow. knew who I was, right? So it really was for me um, a journey of coming to this place of understanding who I was, the woman underneath the titles of wife, mother, corporate executive, yes, yes. right? And what and what did what makes her happy? What does she want from her life? So that sent me on a. So you know, I'm going to ask. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question that we never touched in the podcast I did with you, mm-hmm. which is you say that you want to discuss the gift of menopause. Can I tell you yeah. that in all my years, I have never heard anybody give menopause, which is so dreaded, that terminology. Now, I have my own theory about why it's a gift, but I'm going to ask you to explain that. The gift of menopause, menopause. how unique. Yeah, because like me, I think so many of us in our culture live our lives unconsciously. We just go about our lives doing what we do day in, day out, not just giving, not giving it too much thought, right? Like uh, there's a stat that says we have something like 70,000 to 90,000 thoughts a day and 95% of them are a repeat of the thoughts from the day before. So we're just like literally going through the motions of life. And for women... You know, it's all about what we do for other people, like what we're doing for our kids, what we're doing for our families, for our careers, right? And it's all about outside of us. What do our bodies look like? All of that. Then we reach menopause. And anybody who's ever gone through menopause or is in the middle of menopause realizes that your tolerance for anything that doesn't fit who you are as a person is itty bitty. It's tiny, right? Like you just don't have the tolerance anymore. (laughs) 
And so really what it is, is menopause is a bit of like a a wake up call to alert you to the things in your life that do not feel aligned with who you are, like the truth of who you are. Right. And so, you know, as we are, you know, in the middle of this, of this, you know, upheaval, like hormonally, emotionally, like our physical bodies, you know, everything is kind of shifting and changing. Our kids are leaving home all around the same time. Right. And it really is to wake us up to the fact that our lives are not meant to be solely about what we do for other people. It's about what's true and important for us. So what matters to me now? What makes me happy? What do I no longer want to participate in? What relationships do I want to realign? Right? And so that is like the the pattern interrupt to wake us up to the fact that there's another way of being and just kind of stop that unconscious behavior. And yeah, I mean, like my, my menopause journey was rough, like really rough. But man, like, like I said, my tolerance for things that didn't align with who I was as a person. Yeah, out the door. (laughs) For me, and I had gotten all through my youth. Why don't you have a child? Why aren't you married? Why aren't you having a child? Why don't you have a family? Well, I just wasn't somebody who was made for that. I was made for what I did, which was follow a passion, which was a career, which was designing and then being on television. And so I thought that menopause was going to be an end to that. But no, I still get asked today. I'm about to turn 78. And it's, why don't you have a boyfriend? (laughs) Sort of like, let me translate that for you. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Why? You know, so those norms, to me, menopause was a gift because it put a demarcation point. It was like, I'm not young anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't need a boyfriend 24-7 constantly i'm a mature woman now i can live life a little differently and the one mistake i made with the gift of menopause is i used hormone estrogen replacement theory about 30 years too long and actually flooded my system with hormones and eventually it gave me cancer but For me, in a visual industry, menopause was that dreaded Rubicon Mm -hmm. line of you're not going to be good looking anymore. And and the truth was, it didn't hit me hard the way it hit you, Jennifer. Um, I had maybe two hot flashes in my whole life, but my hair started falling out. My skin got super dry almost instantly. I saw the visual effects, mm. and for me in a visual industry of television and fashion, that right. was not workable. So the gift of menopause for me was I was no longer uh, going to be boy crazy. And, and a lot of doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists will tell you that menopause actually can be your freedom point exactly. to doing what you want to do exactly, and where your passions truly lie because a lot of the extraneous stuff is, is not on the table yeah. or on the plate anymore. Exactly. Right? Well, and I think you just brought up a really good point because 
um, as women, we're cultured to see our value in um, what we do for other people. Is our body physically pleasing to somebody outside of ourselves, our ability to have children, right? And so when all of that is shifting at the same time, right, like we're no longer able to have kids, our bodies don't look like they used to, and we're not like focused on raising a family, the question becomes, well, wh- where do we fit in? What is our value now, right? Yeah. Because we've been cultured to believe yeah. that that's our value. When our value is not has nothing to do with our physical body or what we look like, our value has to do with everything that we know, right? All of the wisdom and knowledge and life experience that we have. And then how are we putting that to use? Like, how are we using that to fuel our passion, to fuel our joy, um, you know, and to do the things that matter to us, right? That's what it, that's what it's all about. You know, and, and you made another point that I found really fascinating, which is, please explain to me your attitude that midlife is actually the most powerful point mm-hmm in your female existence. I'm very curious about that because that's another super unique point of view. Yeah. So think about this, Um, you know, between the ages of like 50 and 80 is 30 years, right? It is in fact, or maybe if you live to 90, it's like 40 years. If you live to 100, it's 50 years. It is in fact the longest chapter of our lives. Like there is no chapter before that that comes anywhere close to that length of time. Oh, that's fascinating. Right? That you see it that way. Yeah. Wow. And so yeah. as we move into this, as we move into this new chapter with a newfound freedom, right? With uh, more confidence in who we are as a person, right? When we know what our passions are and what matters to us, how we use those things, like we're actually stepping into like the most incredible chapter of our, like the best chapter of what I call your kick-ass next chapter, right? Like the best chapter of our lives yet. And without all of the constraints of, you know, worrying about our physical body and raising a family and doing all these things that we've been consumed with doing, we have all of this time and space and energy to now refocus on our passions, right? And so you see women, you know, conquering physical challenges, climbing mountains, right? Uh, Starting businesses, starting charities, like doing incredible things in the world. So, yeah, like it's like freeing ourselves from all of the constraints of everything that kind of held us back to being, you know, available energetically, financially, um, you know, empowered to now move forward to for 30 years to do incredible things in the world. Except I, I will tell you that I'm about to be 78 in a couple of weeks. And I would say that midlife goes on for a while and yeah. can set you up. But way beyond midlife, at 77 years old, I turned around in a cushy job, a cushy place, as number one fashion entity on television, on teleretail, and said to myself, the thrill is gone. Mm -hmm. Do I really want a great divorce from my career that I've had? for 30 years on TV, 55 years in fashion. And the answer was, Diane, you were always, pardon this, people, a ballsy chick when you were younger. Why aren't you now? Why don't you want to do something that makes your heart beat fast again, that seems vital? And so 
I think I would have to say I am no longer <clears throat> middle-aged, but I'm going into my third act, the final act of any Broadway play. And it is about precious time. David yeah. Crosby yeah. from Crosby, Stills, and Nash, who just recently passed, they did a great documentary movie on him, and he gave out a line that I thought, oh, my God. He said, at our age, and he was about 82 when they made the documentary, time is our most yes. precious commodity. So for me, I had to ask myself, let's say I live like my family lives to be nine. Everyone's 95, 98 years old. So let's say I've got 20 years. Do I want to do that being stimulated, fulfilled, learning more, meeting incredible people like you and so many others I'm working with now? Or do I want to stay in a safe zone? Right. And everybody said to me, everybody said to me, you're out of your mind. Nobody starts a new business at 77 years old. I mean, why don't you just sail off in the sunset, go on cruises? I get seasick. Um, <laughs> I, I, I live my life traveling out of a suitcase for a business. Doing a lot of travel does not. But everybody had a concept. Yeah. They probably did with you, too, of what you should be and what you should be doing in middle age, sailing on into your third act. And I wasn't buying any of it. How yeah. about you? Did you get lots? of advice about, no, you shouldn't, as opposed to, oh, yeah, oh, that yeah. sounds great. Do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and I think this is the thing, like, like I said earlier, like we're handed the script really early on, right? Like, this is what it looks like. This is what you do in this chapter. And like the fact that we can throw out the rule book and create a life that is on our terms, right? Like, it's all about what, what, what's important to us right? is so beautiful. I mean, yeah. you know, I had so many people say to me, oh, well, you're never going to make as much money as you did in the corporate world. Um, you know, like, why would you do that now? You're so close to retirement, um, like all of these kinds of things. And, you know, for a while there, I was kind of like, oh, maybe they're right, because I didn't, I couldn't see what the next chapter was, right? I couldn't see what was possible. Uh -huh. But then I realized yeah. I'm like, to your point about time, I'm like, you know, and my mother passed when she was my age. Right. So she didn't get to live this chapter of her life. And I think, and then I started thinking, well, do I really want to spend the rest of my life kind of going through the motions and doing the things because it feels safe? And I'm like, okay, I got to a point where I was like, okay, maybe I don't make as much money, but that's okay with me. If I'm spending my time doing what I love, then it's time well spent because life is ridiculously short. And when I look back on my life and when my kids and my grandkids look at my life, I want them to see that she lived passionately. And I used to wake up every day and think, yes. I don't want to be passionate about my life. I want to be passionate because when I was in my corporate career, sometimes I would find myself in a boardroom meeting and I'd be looking around the table and thinking, is this it? Is this what I work so hard for? Like, is this really my life? <laughs> right? So it was a, like a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, man, like, I don't ever want to be in that place where I'm like, mm, I'm just going through the motions of this. Right? Like, it's all about what do you know what somebody said to me? Someone said to me, because I was saying, okay, 
I could play it safe or I could literally jump off a cliff and I have no idea where the bottom is or, or how I'm going to get there in one piece. And they said, Diane, for a woman like you, playing it safe is the most dangerous thing you can exactly. do. You are going to wind up bored, getting a disease based on depression and especially if you've come through something like stage three breast cancer, yeah, you tend to, that is the thought that can keep circulating through your brain day after day after day. Am I going to get it again? Yeah. What's going to happen if I do it? And so I thought to myself that one of the greatest gifts of cancer, like you have the gift of menopause. The gift of cancer, especially if you're lucky enough like me to have incredible medical help and get through it, is you realize just how precious time is. And do you really want to waste it? And if you're someone who's a big time achiever like me, I always want to be setting goals and reaching them. The thing that drives me nuts about society is they think after a certain age, why would you bother to set goals yeah. anymore? What, what, why do you want to do this? Why, huh? I know. And you have to almost have just tunnel vision where it's your tunnel you're creating, right? Sure. Well, you know, like I said, my mother, my mother passed at 56 from breast cancer. So that was also in the back of my mind, right? Like these, I now have an opportunity to live the years that she didn't. And like, am I really gonna squander that gift doing kind of what feels safe? You know what I mean? I'm like, no, 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 life is far too precious. And so, you know, get breast, her breast cancer was a gift to me because it really kind of like every day past 56, I'm 57 now, every day past 56, I, I'm like, this is a gift. This is a gift for me right? That she didn't have. Yeah. And the other thing I think too is um, I was part of a corporate world. And even though it was my name on the label and my name on the company, I had sold it to a corporate entity with a lot of layers. And it, it came to the conclusion that corporate life did not respect the wisdom of age. No, this is true. The advantages, yeah, that the advantages you can have from being an old chick who knows shit, pardon me, but that's the title of our podcast, (laughs) that that was not something that they could believe in or respect, especially in two youth-obsessed venues for me, which was television and even more so fashion. Yeah. So... I decided that that could be an advantage to me too. If I receded from that, went white haired, became authentic and focused on my audience, knowing that 20,000 people in America every day turn 65. I know. And let's just, yeah, we can just unplug that and take it back to 20,000 people in America turn 50 every day and who's servicing us and especially as women i grew up with a mother who said past 30 nothing is nothing good is going to happen to you women's lives are 
over with at 30. Oh my God. And here I am still working (laughs) and still trying to achieve and still striving for excellence at going on 78. But that's a culture that I grew up in where middle age was miserable, miserable. And so when you say the gift of menopause, when my mother gave birth to me and she was older, it was 1945 and she was 45, almost unheard of. She almost died. They had to give her a full hysterectomy right after delivering me. And I saw up close what instant induced menopause does to a woman. She had no advantages, no hormonal therapy, no let's give you a special diet. No, you can go into a talk group with other women going through menopause where it's difficult. But it looked so cataclysmic to me that honestly, Jennifer, from the time I was a very little girl, I was already saying to myself, "Yeah, aging sucks. I am not going to age that way. I'm going to figure out a new way to do it. Now, one of the new ways that I did it was flooding my body with estrogen so I wouldn't grow old and wrinkled and half bald. And But guess what? A lot of that happened anyway because it gave me breast cancer. But the truth is, I can't tell you that I would want to go back to my youth. I came out of a crazy household. High school was very difficult. Um... Yeah, I had a good time in my 20s. I'm not going to say I didn't. (laughs) But you want to know something? The smoothest sailing has been, honestly, since I was 50, 52 and hit middle age. Yeah. And I've tried to use every single thing I've learned as an aging female to make it better. Yeah. To make to make the airstrip that I'm trying to take off from smoother and easier. And so, if I had to ask you one last question, it would be, how do you get unstuck and create what you call your kick-ass next chapter? How, if you have to give women advice who are watching this and saying, I just... I don't know. This is really difficult. I'm lost. What what would you, I'd love to hear um, how you would direct them. So I have a guide actually that uh, I'll give you the link to. So if people are interested in downloading it, but the very, very, the very first thing that uh, I tell women is to reconnect with themselves. So, you know, as I mentioned in the process of life, we, most of us have become disconnected from who we are. And the answers that we need to create our kick-ass next chapter are not outside of us anywhere. They exist inside of us. So spending some time to get to know who you are. And, you know, mostly I say to women, you know, spend some time with yourself. Like, like, like with any relationship to get to know somebody, you need to spend time with them. So spend some time in what I call silence, stillness, and solitude, right? Just being with you and see what comes up right? Like connect back to your thoughts, connect back to your own desires and see what comes up. And then, you know, the other thing you can do is create like a 
I'm a huge proponent of visualization because for me, a visual, having a vision is like the guidepost for where you want to go. It's like the GPS, right? So start small and create a vision of like, for example, what would be a perfect day? You know, like what would be a perfect week? What would you be doing? Who would you be doing it with? Uh, how would you occupy your time? Right. And in creating that vision, it might not be like the vision of like, okay, this is going to be the next chapters of my life. But what it does do is give you clues to the things that light you up, the things that bring you joy. And the way that you so in connecting with yourself and creating a vision, you follow what I call the joy crumbs, right? Like, so what's igniting your passion? What's lighting you up? Right? And then you just keep following those things. So for example, in my case, and it's not easy. It's not yeah. right. But for most of us, like I said, we're living life unconsciously, we're disconnected from who we are. And of course, we don't know what's next, because we've never spent time thinking about it. And perhaps we're listening to other people exactly a bit too much. Because exactly. you know what, I'll tell you what, as you get older, I on Scott, I think everybody around you thinks you're dumber. And they want, and they all talk to me like this, and they want to give me all this advice. And and the truth is, I come away from it thinking, this doesn't fit me. Right. So I, I approached middle age and beyond very pragmatically. I just drew two lines in a crossbar, and it was, I wrote in my life, where I am today, what I like about it, what I don't like about it, and most importantly, what am I going to do yes. about it? And you know what? One of the major things was something that was totally under my control, which was I gained 80, 90 pounds, and it was making me miserable, and it was leading to a lot of health issues, which I did not want to go into middle age with, and yet that's so classic for middle age. Yeah. You become overweight because you can't eat like you're young anymore, but you don't want to admit you're young anymore. And it, that goes on. So I always say denial is not just a river. It's, right. it's a river of emotions that we have to deal with and dam up and repurpose and change the course of. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's scary not to be young anymore. Sure. But you know what? Those years can be the most that's when I had my light bulb moment at 59 that's when my whole life changed sure. and just catapulted up and I always quote Yogi Berra it ain't over till it's, it's over. over exactly so just just in case you were some babe with a 23 inch waist and looked great uh, like Raquel Welsh in a bikini yeah you're not going to look that great anymore but guess what there's going to be so many other rewards that come from knowing your stuff exactly and so i really really i'm such a proponent of the way you choose to live and the fact that you're so generous with giving that information because as females i truly feel past 50 we just start to become invisible. Yeah. And there's that next generation of youthful girls where you do everything automatically. Yeah, past 50, us old chicks have to work for it. But you know what? 
nothing wrong when you're working on yourself, huh? Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that's the thing. Like if you listen to, you know, what other people say, if you buy into the cultural narrative, then yeah, you will just like, you know, start, you know, <laughs> sit on your couch, you know, eat potato chips and do nothing because that's what the world tells you is, is possible for you in this chapter of your life. But if like you yeah. were like, Oh, no, I'm not buying into that, right? And that age is just a number. And I can, as long as I'm learning and growing and doing new things, then, you know, we get to show like, we are the first generation of women, right, who are taking a different approach to this. Like our mothers and grandmothers didn't do things totally. this way. Yes. Right? So we are yes. leading the charge so for true. the women coming behind us about what it means to be in your 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, right? And hopefully they'll see a very, very different story of what's possible. Oh, I think that, I think we're beginning to see it yeah. already. And, exactly. and I do remember that I was brought up to think that as a woman, you should not work. If you have any worth as a woman, you're going to marry a husband right. who works, that you have got to have children. It is socially unacceptable not to. I mean, I was truthfully uh, the black sheep of the family. Right. And my cousin was the golden girl, married a doctor, became a receptionist in the doctor's office, had seven children. <laughs> Me, I was just someone who had her name on every wall of every department store in America and eventually Europe. And But I wasn't the family treasure because I had never fit in to, the mold. to those pre-programmed <laughs> slots. So if we have to end this great conversation today i would be saying to women listen to jennifer jennifer atherton she knows a thing or two <laughs> about aging about making midlife crisis into midlife success and beyond and jennifer and i are virtually the old chicks that know their shit <laughs> yes we oh, are I did it. <laughs> Yes, we are. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank your you. time and your wisdom. I just love having conversation with you. This was a really fun conversation. Thank you for having me. Mwah. Thank you so much for listening to Too Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman, or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, leave us a rating or a review, and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all too young, be old.